Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. So take that breath. And as I breathe in, I'm aware of that life, that life force that is always present, always available. And it is flowing and filling within me even before I need it. It knows exactly where to be for me. And so in that awareness, I recognize the divine, that life, that one life, that presence of God that is creating all there is in every moment as it is creating me in its expression of what it chooses to be what it chooses to experience through me, in me, and as me now. And I know that this is the truth of all there is, of all people, animals, objects. Hmm. And that in that perfection, that individualized expression of the divine, the intricacy of everything that is created, purposeful, whole and complete. And as I speak that truth, recognizing that perfection that is all around me, I feel and experience that divine like Dorothy stepping out of the house that was lifted and carried by that tornado. I become aware and remember that I am always planted in the divine, always in that wonderland of beauty, supported. That I am here to experience life to its fullest, and that God is experiencing that life with me, as me, and through me now. And in that, I give great thanks, great thanks for the beauty around me, for the wonder and awe that fills me in this life, in all that is created. It is my world. It is all. One. And so I release this gratefully to experience that love, that divine, that beauty, knowing it is always present for me and through me now. And I release this, knowing spirit is creating this now. And so it is. 
Our theme today is wonder, wonder everywhere. And when we're seeing holy everywhere, we're in wonder everywhere. Almost 100 years ago, the poet Angela Morgan wrote, Oh, to be alive in such an age when miracles are everywhere and every inch of common air throbs a tremendous prophecy of greater marvels yet to be. Open to that field of possibility. She's writing that at a time when she was the, the daughter of an interracial marriage uh, living towards the south end of the United States. Um, working on women's rights. She was a reporter for uh, a newspaper that, uh, or an editor for a newspaper that uh, saw a lot of stuff going through that was not necessarily what you would call the most happy, happy, joyful, joyful stuff. And yet she writes that poem full of hope and promise. Oh, to be alive in such an age when miracles are everywhere. And every inch of common air throbs a tremendous prophecy of greater marvels yet to be. We live in that. We live in that right now, if we pay attention. The Buddhist meditation teacher, Sharon Salzberg, talks about a friend of hers who uh, was very, very sick and almost died. And she said she kept getting phone calls from various people. Have you heard about Robert? He almost died. Have you heard about Robert? He almost died. And so when she finally was able to make contact with him, she said, from now on, I'm going to refer to you as the person who almost died. And he said, well, that's much better than the person who almost lived. The Buddha said, those who are heedless or unmindful are as if dead already. Those who are heedless or unmindful are as dead already. And we can walk through life heedless and being unmindful. Probably most of us have at some moment or time in our life done that very same thing. We can be wrapped up in our busy schedules, our self-involved thinking, our memories of yesterday, our plans or worries about tomorrow. Uh, we can plug into our phones and our computers and our TVs and our food and our drink and our whatever else we want to. We can do mental fantasies and all the other ways that we use to escape the realness of this moment. Take a breath. This moment. Because our minds conditioned by others to pay attention to the hurts and the disasters and all that stuff, which are uh, called things like news and reality, our minds are afraid to face this moment because we're afraid it might hurt. Mark Nepo in his book uh, called The Book of Awakening, which is a, a daily guide, um, talks about a friend of his who had some fish, in a goldfish in a, in a bowl, and he wanted to clean out their bowls. So he filled up the bathtub with water, put the fish into the water, and, and went back and cleaned up their bowl and came back to try and find you know, the fish. And he expected that they would be enjoying their newfound freedom in this big you know, bathtub and be darting all around. And instead, they were huddled in a little area that was about the same size as their bowl within this infinite or, relatively speaking, infinite tub of water. And so we can get like that. We're afraid to move outside of our, our bowl, if you will. See, there's more to this moment. It might be, there might be pain in this moment, but there's more to it than pain. And we're strong enough to go through that cloud of pain to the sunshine of the infinite love. 
Valerie Kaur, a, a, a Sikh writer, said, wonder is the wellspring of love. Wonder, curiosity, is the wellspring of love. If we want to experience the fullness of infinite love, we have to get our bloated nothingness, you know, that's one of my favorite phrases, get our bloated nothingness out of the way. You know, it's, it's, it's so much easier to control a population of frightened people. That's why there's all this stuff going on. Religions have done this for millennia. You know, keep everybody scared. The news media feeds this consciousness, but there's a different God and a different news available outside of the fishbowl of our consciousness. And all it takes is tuning in and wonder is the key to that tuning in. When we stop tuning in to the message of fear that's so very loudly shouted in our ears, we can start to hear the gentle sound of an infinite love. It was sweet for me to have this week. We, we, I spent the re, uh, week in a retreat that was called a deep listening retreat. And the first couple of days of it were in pure silence and starting to be able to listen and feel and not have to interact. We can hear the gentle sound of an infinite love. And as we tune in, we become speakers of love. We become speakers of compassion, of peace, of the nature of what that infinite nature is. We become speakers of the things the world and ourselves really need, really need. We become open to that infinite flow of love, which is greater than we are, from a source which is far greater than we are. As Buffy put in the chat, it is holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely holy. When we wake up and stop being hypnotized by the messages of the world, instead open to the wonder which constantly exists within and all around us, to the beauty, to the possibilities that exist, we can sing with that song, everything is holy now. Everyone is holy now. Take a breath. Everyone is holy now. When we release our belief in two powers, good and evil, God and devil, however you want to you know, parse that. When we believe, release our belief that we're separate from the infinite life, from each other, from the planet, from our own self, when we stop that and remember that there is a oneness, a unity, an interconnectedness of all life, then we begin to wake up and begin like when we were children to wonder, to engage each day with enthusiasm, to experience the always present love and joy and beauty that is everywhere present. Let's take a moment and play with that. Let's engage with that. What I'm going to invite you to do is find something around you, just an ordinary object that's just around you. I've got a, 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 a coaster right here. I invite you to pick it up or to observe it, to look at it, to really look at it with wonder, awe, and amazement. You see, you think you know what it is already, but use beginner's mind, letting go of the intellect's need to itemize, to categorize, to think it knows, and to notice this thing. What is it made of? What uses does it have? What uses could it have? You know, I've got this lovely little coaster, which 
could be also a, a little mini Frisbee. And it could be a, a, a yarmulke if I wanted to for my head or you know, all sorts of playful things to get out of the, uh, the idea of just what it is. Notice its shape and its color and its feel, how it feels. Let yourself wonder about what purposes it was created for and by whom. Someone had a thought that became this. You know, I know who assembled this particular coaster, but the fabric that it's made of came from somewhere and somebody else. Someone had a thought that created all of this, every aspect of it. And as you become curious about this, you're not trying to come up with answers. You're letting, you're practicing letting your mind wonder. Just wonder. You know, it's the difference between being in school, if you remember that, I remember that, and especially like grade school, and trying to learn the right answers because that's what you were being told that you had to learn, and gazing out the classroom window at the sky and the clouds and the sun and the trees and the birds and, and all that was happening out there, that mind, that is the mind of wonder. As you're holding this thing, notice the muscles you use to engage with it. Include the muscles around your eyes as you observe it. Notice your lungs as you breathe while you hold it and the muscles that, and, and all that moves all these muscles. And feel the extraordinariness of this very ordinary, ordinary thing. Take a breath. Let yourself return that object if you picked it up to wherever it was. I invite you to take time this week to, and this is not our weekly presentation, our practice yet, but to take time to let your mind, this mind of wonder, we all have it. Let this mind of wonder, as you engage with nature and with other people, can you be curious? Can you be curious instead of certain about other people? Right after I arrived at this retreat, I noticed that there was a person there who was an ex-girlfriend of mine from a little over 20 years ago. And we had not parted well. And she wasn't speaking to me when I last saw her and hadn't for quite a long time. And I had to take a breath when I saw her. Hmm. And I realized during this time, during this silent time, that I was very, very good. Actually, I kind of already knew this, but I was very good at cutting people out of my life. I can cut you out of my life if you offend me very quickly, very thoroughly, and you're gone and out of my mind. And I had this imagery come to me of building blocks of ice or walls around any person or situation. And I would just kind of skirt around that. And there was a couple of people there that I, uh, I had had past difficult relationships with. And I, as I looked at this person, I, I knew who she was and what she was like. She was a person who was not speaking to me and I was done with her and I was never going to have an interaction with her again. 
But I was on a silent retreat to go deeper. And of course, I can't stay in that consciousness and go deeper. So I became willing to wonder because I'm not the same person that I was 20 plus years ago. And I began to wonder, maybe she isn't either. So I approached her when we finally got out of the silent period and I asked if she would like to talk. And she said, yes. And so we had a very pleasant conversation just catching up with our lives. And that block of certainty of who she was started to dissolve, started to fade away. Can we let our mind of wonder, can we let our mind of openness play and see if possibly the areas where we block off are actually dissolved and we don't even know it? The founder of the, of the Sikh religion, Guru Nanak, said, I see no stranger, I see no enemy. How would it be to go through your day seeing no stranger and no enemy? In Hindu, there's a core teaching that says, I am that. I am that. In the African Ubuntu, there's a phrase that says, I am because you are. I am because you are. And in the Mayan tradition, it was expressed, you are my other me. You are my other me. Breathe that in. When we can approach life, when we can approach other people and even ourselves from a sense of wonder, from a sense of curiosity, from a sense of openness to possibility, all sorts of things can happen beyond our intellect knowing what's what. We can get out of the fishbowl. We can notice we're actually in a very large tub. My friend, Reverend Jeff Ryan says, if we, weren't, if we aren't walking around with our mouths constantly agape in awe, then perhaps we should start paying more attention. If we aren't walking around with our mouths constantly agape in awe, perhaps we should start paying more attention. The Buddhist meditation teacher Manindraji, Manindraji, excuse me, was asked why he meditates, and he replied, "I practice meditation to notice the small purple flowers growing by the roadside, which I might otherwise miss. I practice meditation to be able to notice the most ordinary things in life as extraordinary." What do we miss in life when we aren't being in wonder? If wonder is the wellspring of love, how much love do we miss when we are closed off? How much love do we miss when we are living in certainty and not being in the here and now? So I wonder, will you open to living with a greater sense of wonder? Will you wonder everywhere? Our spiritual practice this week, just one, and you can probably guess it, practice expanding your sense of wonder. Perhaps schedule a time each day where you sit with something like we just did and stretch your mind for that sense of wonder. 
perhaps setting a timer to remind you, oh, I let me send, check in with wonder about what's going on right now, right this moment. Take a time to breathe and become more still and notice with a sense of wonder what's around you and what's going on within you. Be open, curious, and wondering. And doing this not for the purpose of problem solving or fixing or getting answers, but just to engage in the practice of wonder for wonder's sake. How many of you are willing to do that spiritual practice this week? Great. I want to close with a quote from Valerie Carr. This is from her book, See No Stranger. Wonder is the wellspring of love. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a form of sweet labor. Fierce, bloody, imperfect, and life-giving. A choice we make over and over again. This labor engages all our emotions. Joy is the gift of love. Grief is the price of love. Anger protects that which is loved. And when we think we have reached our limit, wonder is the act that returns us to love. I invite you to engage with wonder. We'll take a moment to do our affirmation. Please join me in saying this. I see awe-inspiring beauty wherever I look. And one more time. I see awe-inspiring beauty everywhere, wherever I look. And so it is. So let us take a breath. There is only one life. There's only one mind. There's only one heart. There's only one body. There's only one beingness. One and only one. Mm. Breathing that in. We recognize that each of us must be one of that life. Everything is one of that oneness. Nothing is outside of it. Nothing and no one is separate, not even our own selves. And whether we remember this or forget this, it is the truth. And so I speak my word that this week and ongoingly, we live in that sense of wonder, wonder in the everyday moments. We approach people not with certainty, but with curiosity and openness. But we approach life, possibilities with openness and wonder and curiosity instead of it needs to be this way. We let go of that sense of certainty. We let go of that little limited fishbowl in which we were habit habitualized in which to swim. And we make up new words and have wonderful fun with it. And we get playful with our lives because play is one of the places of wonder. Children work, learn more through play than they do through, through work or effort. And we are the same. 
we learn more through play. So let us play. Let us be playfully wondering and playfully wonderful. And I am grateful. I am grateful for all this good, for all the good that opens up in our lives as we open up to life itself. Life is a blessing. Life is a gift. Life is a joy. And we are the people who are living, not almost lived, are living. And so it is.